right, welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you again for joining us this week and supporting us on our hosting site, SoundCloud, as well as checking out our YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google, Spotify. Thank you so much for the support. Check us out on our Facebook page and always feel free to leave comments in any of those platforms or email us topics of conversation you would like to hear, guests that you'd like to see come on the show, or just general feedback, you can email those to wsnspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for your support. So today, this is something that I've been going through with my church, Sunday school, with Revelation. Revelation, I mean, my goodness, what, what, a, what a book to tackle. And I'm coming at it from a Wesleyan-Arminian perspective. I'm not coming at it from a post-tribulation, pre-tribulation you know, standpoint. You know, I, I've said it before, but I believe that once Christ ascended 2,000 years ago, we have perpetually been in the end times because the next event in the eschaton of things would be Christ coming back. And that's been true for the last 2,000 years. So unlike the traditional understanding of we are in the end times, which is more of a... Um, it seems to have enveloped into a literal like decimation of earth and very much a, a tribulation aspect of of how the end times are going to be which for me has always evoked more fear than like fear in the face of god versus like, actual faithfulness and like this idea that we're going to overcome because of the son of god we we have fear of God of respect, but to be afraid for our lives and let that be the main motivation, I'm not sure is entirely what the book of Revelation is getting at, but that's why I'm going through with it with my congregation. I wanted to go through the book of Revelation and look at it from all angles and try to be more holistic in our approach because it is one of the most confusing books in the New Testament of all of the Bible for that matter. And there are a lot of different interpretations to it. And I, I think it's in, in the scope of history, there are certainly more darker periods of time where people are like, I wonder if this is truly the end times here. You know, the, the mark of the beast, number 666. I think those all miss the point of Revelation, which is that Christ is going to win. And those who remain faithful to him through the midst of trials and tribulations will receive the crown of life. And it's always anchored in the victorious nature that is Christ overcoming the grave and the conquering of Satan. That's what it is. So I just want to say that first and foremost, that is where I'm coming from here. And beginning in chapter 2 and going through the end of chapter 3, there are seven churches that receive seven different letters. And this is dictated to John by, by Christ. And if you look in your Bibles, this is where the red letters come in because it's actually Christ dictating to John, these are the messages I have for the seven churches. And there are similar themes that tie all the churches together, which is the affirmation that, again, the message is from Christ. That's what John communicates, like this, this message has authority. There is some sort of usual like praise for the church whether they're standing steadfast, whether they're having good teachings, um, etc. And then there's a rebuke that, that 
surely happens, that this is something the church is doing wrong and it needs to be corrected. And then it always ends with regardless, because not all of these letters have a condemnation and not all of them have bad things to say or good things to say. Some There are a couple standouts, like this one, which we'll talk about here in a second. But there's always a, if you repent, if you change this behavior, you, you will persevere, you will receive the crown that I have waiting for you in heaven. So it's a message of perseverance. If you will repent, if you will turn from this, or if you will stay faithful like you always have, here's what's going to happen. And when we look at chapter 3, starting at verse 14, we look at the church of Laodicea, which from this book, this is a from the New Beacon Bible Commentary, uh, it's Revelation, a commentary in the Wesleyan tradition, which is written by uh, Carol Rotz. Fantastic insight here behind the text here about the church in Laodicea. This is actually one of its one of its cool things we'll talk about with, with it being lukewarm, but listen to this. In particular, the city's hard but potable water was piped to the city from a spring six miles to the south, a distance that would, of course, cause its temperature to be consistently lukewarm warm. Now, let's put that on pause, keep that in the back of our heads, and let's read Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. I'm reading from the NASB here. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you that you were cold or hot, So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. To those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Fascinating. It's interesting that when you talk about the, the spiritual the spiritual idea of hot or cold, what, what what's kind of contrasted there, what gets lost is the context of like we're talking about cold cold or hot water. It's kind of off-putting to think that, that Jesus would want people to be spiritually cold. But if you look at the context of what this, this water problem is, the fact that they have this water pumped in from over six miles away, it becomes very warm, becomes lukewarm over the course of that time. You know, springs, it's cold water. But then it's heated up to a point where it's just average. And so therefore, one of the, the things that this particular water had an issue with is that it's neither good for refreshment. You know, who wants, you know, you want a glass of ice cold water on a day where it's really hot. No one really says, I just want a nice refreshing glass of lukewarm water after sweating a lot, after I did an exercise or working in the yard. No one really wants that. So the water is not good for refreshment nor is it good for medicine. You know, boiling, boiling out any sort of impurities and purifying anything else that has maybe bacteria in it, it's not even hot, it's not boiling, so it's neither good for refreshment nor medicine. 
And if you look at that letter, if that's being written to your church and your context, that's something you would understand that is saying, you guys aren't good for anything. And the worst part is your arrogance. You guys think you have everything that you need. And there's the biggest parallel to our society. I, I firmly believe in our, in our church, our state in America, this is probably the most difficult mission field you know, on the planet. And this is actually, you know, from an anecdotal standpoint, I, I met some Ugandan missionaries who are raising funds for their uh, orphanage back back in Uganda. And if I give me a second here, I will remember their names because they're actually coming to my church here. I probably should remember their names, right? Uh, Lasting Smiles Uganda is the name of the organization. And Same and Susan are the name of the two, the husband and wife, who are here raising awareness for their church back at home. And I had a chance a couple weeks ago to ask them, what was their lay of the land? What, what was their takeaway from America? And they agreed that this is a very difficult mission field because we really don't realize the plight that we're in because of our affluence. We really don't need anything. And very much like verse 17, because you say, this is Christ working through John here, says, I am rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. See, they're, they're physically rich. They have a lot of materials. We don't need anything. And yet God rebukes that saying, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself. So this is referring to, this is a, this is a physical way of saying this gold refined by fire, which you know, Old Testament can be uh, likened to wisdom, a discernment, discretion. And then materials, purified white, white garments, it's being clothed with righteousness and purity. That's what you get from gold and the color white. That's what it represents. So it's a repenting of sin that brings to this and for reliance upon God, not yourself. And I think here in this nation, what's difficult is that we do believe that we have everything that we need. Again, God fits into our schedule here because if we leave church, we still have everything. I know I've said that before, but it bears repeating that if all of us were to leave church tomorrow and never go back in this nation, we still have everything right? We still have a job, friends, car, money, food, clothes, shelter. What goes away? If anything, we get more time back. We can sleep in on Sundays, right? We don't have to go to that Bible study when it's really inconveniently timed, you know, in the middle of the week after a long work day, everyone's going to practice. Think about that. As the average American Christian, why do we need God? We already have everything we need. He promised that he would clothe and feed the birds of the air. Well, guess what? The government does it, or the way our system uh, of freedom and liberty and prosperity in this nation, that provides it for us. That's not God. Now, obviously, I'm not believing that. I'm just, I'm just speaking as a, potentially a person who is like, I don't understand where I need God because I have everything that I need. Now, that doesn't quench the inner desires of that, that greed and lust, you know, that doesn't go away. That's the other problem is that it, there's always a need for more. And that's, that's the greed of all of us that lives inside all of us. But, but that's not the end here. In verse 19, Christ, through his messenger, John says, To those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. What an amazing thing that Christ 
loves this church. That's why he is issuing this decree, why he is rebuking them. He wouldn't do that if he didn't love them, which is an art form lost in this generation of people. We don't know how to have conflict with one another, healthy conflict, disagreement. And the reason why we might discipline people is so that they can turn from their terrible ways that are harmful not only to them and to others, but it's because we love. It's very rare that you see people discipline people who they don't know or have a relationship with. Christ has a relationship with us. And if there's any any takeaways here is that he hasn't abandoned us. He wants the church in the United States to repent. Repent of our own arrogance. Verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. My question for us today is, for whom or what are we listening to? Are our ears tuned to the door? Can we hear him knocking? Anyway, those are just some thoughts. May God bless you, and may God keep you as always.